What if you could sit and learn from the brightest minds in technology and business today? Welcome to the CIO Whisperers podcast, a show designed to do just that. Join hosts Dan Roberts and co-host David Alexander as they explore the life, work and leadership lessons from some of the world's most admired digital leaders. Listen in as we explore innovation, talent development and navigating the complexities of the speed of business. When CIO Whisperers talk, technology and business leaders listen. We are excited to welcome Ken Sprangler to the Seattle Whisperers as we feature his leadership philosophies and those things that have set FedEx apart as an innovative technology leader. FedEx is an $84 billion Fortune 45 company driven by 560,000 team members worldwide. Together, they serve 220 countries and territories, including every address in the United States. But to fully appreciate the size, scale, and complexity of FedEx, one must consider that FedEx delivers more than 15.5 million shipments daily by operating one of the largest air operations in the world with 689 aircraft, along with a ground fleet of more than 200,000 motorized vehicles. These are staggering stats and would not be possible if FedEx weren't a technology innovator. He had to look no further than their iconic chairman, CEO, and founder, Fred Smith, who boldly stated in 1978 that the information about the package is as important as the package itself. Friends, this was over 40 years ago and more than a decade before the dawn of the World Wide Web. Today, I have the honor of introducing our CIO Whisperers guest, Ken Sprangler, FedEx's Executive VP of IT and CIO of Global Operating Companies Technologies. I'm going to hand it over to my friend and CIO Whisperers host, Dan Roberts, as he unpacks Ken's leadership philosophies and FedEx's impressive technology strategy and playbook. Take it away, Dan. Oh, that's awesome, David. Thank you so much. And uh, can you think of a better way to kick off 2022, David, than with Ken Spangler in the FedEx story? No, truly. I mean, his leadership journey is phenomenal, and uh, I can't wait for our audience to experience him. So a lot of people in our industry know FedEx, award-winning technology innovator. Um, technology is game-changing in their business, their industry. And I really want to extend a warm welcome to, uh, to Ken Spangler. Good, good to see you, Ken. Great to see you, Dan, and thank you for having me. It's uh, you know I've been uh, admiring your uh, podcast, and so it's an honor to join you. Uh, it's going to be so fun. We've got a lot of ground to cover, Ken. I've been uh, doing my homework, and it's just I could have gone in twenty directions with you. So uh, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to just badger you for the next uh, few minutes here because I want people to understand kind of how special the story is there because it's it's a story, it's a journey, and you know we'd be hard pressed to find a company today where technology and data are more ingrained and really part of the fabric of FedEx. And so, you know, maybe you can just give us the vantage point of your vantage point, Ken. You know, how do you see this? What's been your journey there? Well, you know, certainly, Dan, you started, you know, absolutely at the, the part of the technology has been in our DNA, you know, in our, from the very beginning, you know, that, uh, that statement that Fred made in 1978, if we said it today, it wouldn't be that surprising, but saying in 1978, it's incredible. So, you know, we consider ourselves, you know, one of the great physical networks because of what we do in the world. 
but it's enabled by a great digital network. So, you know, at the heart of this technology. So it's been it's been an honor of my career to be part of, you know, this, this enterprise for so long. In my personal journey, what makes it unique is, you know, I grew up in the, you know, and for maybe the listeners that aren't as familiar with FedEx, if you think of the transportation logistics part of FedEx, there's really four key segments. There's FedEx Express, the, you know, all over the world, uh, Express Overnight Delivery Company, FedEx Ground, FedEx Freight, and FedEx Logistics. Those are the four big, and what's unique is each of those are large, multi-billion dollar operating companies by themselves. So my unique part of the journey is while I grew up in the FedEx Ground Company from a software developer in my early days, ultimately I, I was made the CIO at uh, FedEx Ground uh, more than 15 years ago. And then through the preceding years, I've at one time or another have been the CIO of each of the operating companies. And, uh, you know, my current role is over all of the operating companies. So so that, you know, that uh, makes me unique inside of FedEx in that one way. And it's been, you know, another one. Of, there's a lot of blessings in your career, right? And one of the great blessings to be, you know, it's such a part of each of the operating companies. The learnings are endless. The challenges are endless. And then in FedEx, working with the team members is just the greatest part of the journey. Yeah, I always tease people, uh, when you cut somebody from FedEx, they, they're going to bleed purple or orange, you know, or maybe green, right? It's uh you guys are just, there's that loyalty there. And I love, I love the picture of the insight into how you've answered the call many times, how you've gotten this diversity of experiences. Um, talk about how you show up, how you want to be perceived, because you're intentional about this, uh, Ken. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. And, you know, I would say, you know, I don't think much about how I'm perceived per se, but, you know, how I contribute or how I'm part of the team. You know, and, I'll, and I'll, first thing is one of my philosophies is, you know, and like many leaders, you know, titles are overrated. You know, it's not about control. It's about being a member of the team and being a contributing member and influence is more important than control. That's for sure. And so, you know, my focus in that space has always been about being, you know, a business person as much as a technologist. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, when you ask that question, it makes me think of something that, uh, from the time I was a frontline manager, every staff meeting, I always was purposeful that I would start every staff meeting. We would always talk about the business and the state of the business long before we talk about anything with technology. And then that evolved into every level, even now where I do global town halls with thousands of people. I always start and say, we can't be great IT people if we're not great business people first. So we always start with the business and all the, you know, kind of the state of the business and everything that's important to the business. So, you know, I would say the probably the most direct answer I can give to this question is, you know, I've been very focused on being a business person and a technologist. We contribute so much with technology. We enable so much with technology. But if we don't truly understand the business and are part of the business, then, uh, you know, we won't be great at technology. And so that's probably been my, my prime focus from frontline manager until today. I've known you for a long time. You've always been a very high energy guy, a lot of passion for the mission and what you do. Uh, you love the company, the leadership, the people. Something's different now. You know, you've taken on a new role and you're at another level now, Ken. I, I don't know what it is, but maybe just share some of the additional hats that you wear today. Well, you know, clearly, um, you know, working with and, and aligned to all the operating companies is exciting and challenging. And so, you know, while I, uh, you know, I look at the CEOs of each of the operating um, 
companies as my most important business partners, okay? But inside of it, the senior vice president and CIO of each of the operating companies is a member of my team. So I get that unique perspective. And even though we are one FedEx, clearly, you know, we we serve market segments, very specialized. We're great at everything we do. Uh, I'll say that humbly. I really do. It's a challenge. But, um, you know, the, the getting to see all the companies is is just amazing. And you switch, you know, you, you're, you're one FedEx, but you have different hats and different specialties. The second thing is, you know, we get a lot of other things. Like I run a group that's called our Operations Technology Innovation Team, a small but mighty band of innovators. And uh, in fact, our vice president runs that. He's just a brilliant guy. And uh, we have filed more patents in the last three years than in this space than in history of FedEx. And one of the examples of just something that was just so impactful that makes you excited every day is, you know, the, uh, you know, sensor-based logistics is obviously a real thing today, but for us, we created something called Sensorware, and uh, in every vaccine shipment, you know, the most important shipments in the history of our company, you know, we light up with these sensors, and we can see them in real time anywhere, and so we were innovating that for a few years, and at the right time, the right technology applied to have the level of custodial control and service that had to be perfect, and uh, so, you know, th- those kinds of things, you're just proud of the team. You know, I'm not doing that. Our great team is, and I get to lead this team and work with this team every day. So, you know, it's easy to be high energy and exciting when you're, you know, you're passionate of what you do. You know, the work that we do really matters, both inside of FedEx and to the world. And, you know, I would say that if, if you maybe give one line answer, it would be that. The work we do matters. And uh, it's easy to be excited every morning. Speaking of high energy, speaking of innovation, um, one of the, the favorite parts of our program is we call it the question from the audience. And we pull somebody in who's special from our, our guest world. And uh, Charlie Feld is very special uh, in your world. I've known Charlie for more years than either, either I will admit to. And, uh, and just for context, I won't give you the, his age, but he's impacted our industry, continues to today for 55 years. And so we reached out to Charlie and said, "Hey, would you uh, would you submit a question for Ken?" He was excited to do so. So let's let's play this question from Charlie, and uh, let you respond to it. Sure. Hey Dan, this is Charlie Feld. Uh, I have a question for Ken. I've worked with and uh, coached a number of leaders over the last five decades, and most feel they've got to move around from company to company in different industries in order to learn and grow. Ken, you've spent uh, your whole career in one company and have achieved leadership excellence. What advice would you give people that would love to stay in a company and continue to grow? Wow, great question by Charlie. And, you know, Charlie's, uh, uh, you know, a friend, a mentor, and uh, just somebody I admire so much. You know, I've been blessed to have so much interface and, and time with Charlie through the years. You know, that's a great question. You know, I would say, um, you know, the number one thing is whether you're moving companies or whether you're in a company is, you know, and I, I call it the we and us philosophy, but it's, you know, we're all part of a, of a bigger thing, you know, part of a team. And, uh, you know, it can't be about any individual. It has to be about the team. And so, you know, one of the things that I, you know, really have always felt and have helped me being in, you know, one company, you know, one large corporation is, you know, always building that partnership, you know, and then the other thing is, you know, that leads right to, you know, business and IT. A lot of people talk about business and IT partnership, you know, that's a minimum, it's a must have, right? But I would say it's, it's, you know, especially, again, whether you're changing companies or in the same company, but it's, 
you know, be knowledgeable, um, you know, be engaged, be, you know, one of my favorite words, be relentless, you know, and, and uh, the details matter. And uh, you don't want to get later or part of your career where you kind of weren't as engaged in a part of it that matters later. It's all, you know, it's, a, it just keeps being a multiple effect, you know? And so anyways, you know, I would say that, uh, and, and then the last thing I would say, and probably the number one thing that's been true in my career is, you know, recognize that with the greatest challenges and sometimes the most difficult parts of your career are always, in my experience, the greatest opportunities. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was kiddingly talking about earlier, you know, the joke in our household about, hey, when the phone didn't ring in the middle of the night, and that was just we were pushing the envelope of technology so far. But not only the learnings of what we've done with technology to push it so far that is so much better today, but just my ability to learn about the business in those days was incredible. And so the hardest times and giving the most effort and sometimes where you think it would wear you out, it created the most energy, which probably had more to do with my career and my opportunities that came than anything ever. So that that would be probably the biggest, I'd say. That's good. Yeah. Uh, my friend Ken, uh, uh, Ken over at uh, Panera Bread, uh, John Meister, CIO there, he always says, uh, building that resilience muscle, building that grit muscle is not a lot of fun when you're doing it, but it's so good on the other side, right? It's so good on the other side. You got to put yourself through that to get there. But um, thank you, Charlie, for that great question. Uh, He knows you so well, you know him so well. Is there some, you know, we're going to get Charlie in the show at some point, but is there a, a, a nugget or two you could, you know, as you think about him as a mentor, what have you taken from Charlie uh, over the years? Well, you know, the, the interesting thing about Charlie is, you know, he, uh, he started his career at IBM as a system engineer. And then, you know, he was in PepsiCo and ultimately the CIO of Frito-Lay. And then he created a you know company called the Feld Group. And what was interesting is long before, you know, probably even people understood technology and IT like they do today, he had the vision of, you know, technology was so instrumental in business and he became more of a turnaround guy. You know, when you needed the you know, turn around or make things better. So it was truly a, you know, the word transformation, it might be the most overused term in business today. But 30 years ago, he was a true transformationalist. You know, that's what he did. So, you know, that's that, that's just the background. So what what I take away and what I've learned so much from Charlie, as I said earlier, but a couple of big things. You know, one is he talks about doing transformation, the mental models win. If you don't have an aligned mental model across a team, across a business, whatever, then, you know, if you don't get that right, that's baseline, Mm -hmm. you know, then you'll, you will, you will never be successful without that, you know, baseline mental models. You know, the other thing is he's a framework guy. And I've always, I've had a saying, you know, like we all do in this industry, you know, especially if you come from software, you know, frameworks win, right. But, but his frameworks are powerful and they're, they're simple, powerful frameworks. You know, one of them is the story, the deal and the plan. You don't know how much I use that when we're trying to drive something that is new or transformational, you know, a simple model, the story, you know, current state to future state. And what's the gap, the deal, you know, Charlie, as they say, you give me this, I give you that, you know, what's the deal? Because you got to make a deal and everybody has to agree to it. And then the plan is, you know, you just have to be relentless in how you execute, but, but, you know, you have to be specific. So he has a lot of those and I'll give you a, a, a real one in FedEx that he influenced. You know, we have a durable asset. We call it our IT systems model. And it's it's a model representation of the strategic operating principles of FedEx Corporation, of which there's three. Compete collectively is one. 
operate collaboratively is two, and innovate digitally is three. So six very simple words. Mm. Each of those are a very strong representation of what FedEx is about and strategically where we're going. And so we created a model some years ago, literally working as a team, brainstorming at the, at the Feld Ranch, um, where this model is so durable that it links everything from how we're organized, how we architect, to how we deliver, and it connects the strategic operating principles of FedEx Corporation to our IT system model. It's such an easy representation for everybody to see the why and the how, the why, the what, and the how. I think we're getting a sense, Ken, of how great companies win. I mean, just, just listening to you and just understanding the way you all think and plan the frameworks. Uh, we talked earlier about your answer to call moments. Um, as a company, uh, you have something you refer to as the slingshot moment, right? Probably uh, beginning of the pandemic and maybe maybe kind of just speak to that and how you answer the call as a company. You know, I've, I've been blessed to be around a long time. And, you know, at FedEx, you know, one of the things we always say is what we do matters. And so it's easy to get motivated, but never did it matter as much as when the pandemic started, right? Mm. And, uh, you know, some of the just tremendous leaders we have at the heights of this company, starting with Fred Smith, Rod Supermanium, Rob Carter, you know, just you know, one of my other heroes of my business career, but is is literally, you know, we, we, we started with a simple, you know, description to the team, you know, this is who we are and what we do. And the world needed us the most. It started with, you know, things like PPE equipment and the, the urgency all around the world. You know, we have a unique ability. Our network is incredible from one part of the world to the other in amazing time and with amazing dependability, reliability, and scalability. And so when the pandemic happened, and really, you know, we have always been on a strong growth trajectory, but when the e-commerce side of this slingshot years ahead, you know, you know, what our projected growth was, all of a sudden we slingshot to years ahead. That's a great problem to have, but also truly a challenging problem to have. And so that was that was another one of the moments to show the resiliency of FedEx and, and most importantly, the resiliency of the people from our frontline heroes that are out delivering every day, all the way through every one of your engineering, IT, whoever you are. It was a moment to show our resiliency and the dedication of the team. And, and I would say, you know, um, the thing I'm most proud of is, you know, the team, not only I'm proud that they stepped up, but it was only because they understood how important what we do matters in the world. And, uh, and so our ability to, to grow like that and, and then what's become more of the challenge is it, it was sustained. You know, the world depends so much more on us right now. Mm-hmm. And that, that creates, you know, again, great, great opportunities and great opportunities for the future. But, but within that, a lot of challenges that we, we continue to get better at every day. You know, you continue to prove out, Ken, that words matter. Yeah, you know, I love your expressions. I love how you, uh, how you speak about these things. And I know a lot of companies uh, use you guys to, to kind of learn from, to benchmark with. I mean, you're, you've been very, very generous in a lot of ways in terms of helping other companies. Maybe not a competitor, but 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 those who are trying to learn from from your successes. A lot of your peers are in the early stages of some of these slingshot moments, some of these you know some of these big moments in time. Char- Charlie would say, um, pretty dramatic. He would say, "Hey, there's no more mulligans, right? Things are going so fast today. You don't get a do-over." So, any words of wisdom, any tips, tr- uh, tricks you can share with your peers out there? You know, that, you know, Dan, that shows you how well you know Charlie. He says it all the time, right? There's no more mulligans. You know, I love yeah. that. It's great. <laughs> um, you know, a couple of things. You know, I, I would say, um, you know, and some of these are just 
I'll call it blocking and tackling basically, but this is the era that being a lean agile enterprise matters. You know, everybody says agile, right? Okay, that's another one of those overused terms. Yep. But truly being a lean agile enterprise, and that's business and IT, and even the littlest things in that have mattered. You know, when we used to say architecture, we always thought of the technical architectures, you know, the, you know technology profession in IT. Now, I'd say one of the most impactful, you know, our enterprise business agility initiative, and one of the most impactful things in the way we work safe, but it's safe for FedEx, is business architecture, you know? The, the simplicity of focused organizing and driving world-class capabilities in business architecture to aligns with the technology architecture has been just instrumental to not only speed, but building at a different level of capabilities. So, you know, I would, I would, you know, start, and again, in no particular order, you know, that, uh, you know, that level of true agility, enterprise agility is a differentiator today. Um, you know, the other thing I would say that is a, uh, you know, there's there's very traditionalists in business strategy through implementation, and I call it a left to right model. You think of you're building a strategy, and you think of it as what are all my inputs? You know, there's market forces, there's competitive forces, there's all these things, and you take all your inputs and you develop. Well, I need these capabilities, and then ultimately that becomes your strategy. And then once you have that, you look at technology and automation as the enabler of the strategy. Very left to right, if you followed the flow of that. But, you know, one of the other things I think is most instrumental and the most and so many of the most successful companies in the world do this great. And that is it's not just left to right. It's left to right and right to left. And what I mean by that is you look at technology and automation and, and innovation as a part of building the strategy. And you look at it more as not only enabling, but also disrupting. And, and that's a to me, that's a big one. And I think. Uh, you know, it's probably one of the things I've learned and appreciated more so in the last 10 years than any part in my career. But you clearly have to look at technology and just not as an enabler, but as a, you know, as a building part of it and a disrupting part of what we know today. And you have to lean into it. So if you build a strategy today, it's left to right with all the inputs. Those all matter. Market forces, all the economic forces, all those things matter. But the right to left side of what technology can enable. And then from there, success comes from putting those two together. So maybe a long answer, Dan. I'm sorry, but that that's been and that, and that's a journey for everyone. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to tell you we're perfect to that. No way. We're but we're we're really trying to mature that part of how we you know how we continue to build and go forward. And I would I would say I would add on to that, Ken. Your company culture, the ability to sustain these things over the long haul. You know, I think that's been an Achilles for a lot of companies is starting. Um, but then not staying the course. And all that does is build cynicism. You lose opportunity and, and you guys do that really well. And, you know, some of the, uh, I, I like to call them the Kenism, some of the expressions that you use for communicating, mentoring, and, and just leading your organization. I reached out to some of your folks to get some perspectives um, and uh, just what their favorites were. And, and the first one was actually not a Kenism, but it's part of your leadership DNA, your philosophy you part of your secret sauce is your ability to keep people focused on what matters. Can, can, can you speak to that? Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, and I, I think there's a couple of things that are just standard in business. You know, there's, there's a real difference between urgent and important, you know, and when you mix those two together, it's often problematic. So, you mm. know, just simple things like understanding what's urgent and important. The other thing that even broader than that is, you know, we talk in terms of majors and minors, you know, what are we majoring in? What are we minoring in? Because, you know, often there's just, just not clarity. Everything looks like a major, 
right? And so I think that's another one, you know, we do a lot of, we, we really try to at least, you know, focus hard on these are the majors, you know? And, uh, and so, you know, I, I think it's just, you know, so none of it's revolutionary or a can only thing, or, you know, that's true. And then, you know, there's, there's a famous saying out there, but we use it a lot in, in FedEx is, you know, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing that's become kind of right. cultural in FedEx and uh, right. you know, a very famous former COO at FedEx used to use it all the time. And, and, uh, and by using that, it's just something that is sustained through the years. And, uh, and that's probably one of the hardest things. Can you hear yourself saying this one, Ken, uh, this Kenism, uh, they love this one. Uh, the results of the results, everything else is just noise. Yeah. You know, yeah. And really the way I've said it for, and I've said it since I was a frontline manager, you know, the results are results. The rest is all noise. And, um, and it's just because in business and in sports, especially, you know, business and sports, it's one of the places that are very aligned. And that is, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, there's a result, you know what I mean? And that's really what matters. That's why we're all here. Okay. Now you want to get there the right way. And you, you know, you, you do all the things the right way, but, but at the end of the day, the result is, is how, you know, what, what we do matters, right? So the result is how are we going to get to that? And I think, you know, we talk about it in a sports analogy a lot because, you know, it doesn't matter if your quarterback threw for 400 yards and whatever it is, if you lost the game, right? It, it still looks like a win or a loss 10 years from now in the record book, you know? And yeah. so that, that's kind of a, I think it's just a way to keep people focused. You know, what's really important is we're, we're, we got to stay focused on that result. We have to do it the right way, Okay. The right way is certainly from a people side of it, but it's also things like the architecture and the processes and et cetera. Yeah. Speaking of results, speaking of focus, I mean, FedEx, obviously iconic brand, trusted brand. Uh, I don't think anybody does customer experience and employee experience better. Um, just kind of speak to that. Cause I know you as a company, you've won major awards, global awards, national awards in these areas. So Kind of take us inside the the, the 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 playbook of FedEx. How you think about those those areas? Well, clearly, you know they're majors. I would say that, but really, where all the credit is due is the culture. You know, our we, we our culture is PSP, People, Service, Profit, and it's a continuum. You know, the right. You know, you you have people that you empower and engage and challenge. They do the right thing, and they provide amazing service and a very complex you know, world. They provide the right level of service. And if we do everything the right way, we generate a profit that we reinvest back into the business, you know? And so really what happens with that, it's a culture. And, you know, underneath of that, there's something we call the purple promise. Purple promise is simple as, you know, I will make every FedEx experience outstanding. And, um, you know, and so that, that's, you know, I'll give credit where credit's due. It starts with the culture, which started with Fred Smith, you know, and, you know, I talked about some of the, you know, executive leadership before and, you know, and I mentioned Rob Carter, you know, the really iconic CIO of FedEx and for so many years has been really one of the cultural champions inside of FedEx. And that's why, you know, I think a lot of the success we've had in technology, a lot of success we've had in the business is Rob and Fred and Raj and others that lead with that culture. So when you think of that, you know, customer, right, you said, and and the people employee experience, well, it just fits right into that PSP philosophy. You know, Ken, congratulations again. A lot of people know this, but IDG Computer World does the annual survey, and it's a survey of employees. It's not something you apply for. 
of the uh, best places to work in IT. You guys won again. And, and this was during a year that was just insane, busy, slingshot. So, you know, truly congratulations. It's an honor. It's part of the reason why you've got such a strong talent brand, you know, your technology talent brand, but and this is voted on by your employees, right? So congratulations. And what does this mean to you? I mean, there's no game in the results here. Well, you know, giving credit where credit's due, it's the employees, it's the team members, you know what I mean? And I even hate to, you know, use any other term, uh, you know, term other than team, you know, and, uh, um, you know, I, again, I think, you know, it's probably, I don't want to sound repetitive, but I, you know, in this case, I guess I have to, you know, I think we have a great team. We focus as a team on the culture. We know what we do really matters. And when you bring it together every day, you have to do that in a way that you can still have some fun. Right. And I think that's the added component at the end, you know, and. Uh, well, you and FedEx as a company uh, are win awards on on just how community oriented you are, how much you invest in the communities you're in. And, you know, one of the things that we do in the Sarah Whispers podcast, we have this thing called Tech for Good. And uh, this year we're going to donate one hundred twenty five thousand dollars in scholarships to our Tech LX leadership program, which many of your folks go through. and. You know, this gives you the opportunity, Ken, to gift a scholarship to your nonprofit of choice. So to a leadership program, anybody come to mind who you'd, who you'd want to direct that toward? Yeah, absolutely. This is kind of an easy one. Um, you know, one of the, uh, you know, you've heard me say, I don't know, probably five times, you know, we're proud of what we do matters. But an organization that absolutely is that is uh, St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital in, in Memphis, you know, our hometown of Memphis, FedEx hometown of Memphis. You know, St. Jude's an amazing place. And uh, you talk about what they do matters. In fact, you know, one of my uh, senior vice president reports to me that runs our express domestic uh, side of our technology group. Uh, his wife's a doctor and oncologist at uh, St. Jude. Talk about doing work that matters. You know, mm. we're proud of her just as being part of the family through, you know, the team. But, uh, but wow, what an organization to, to, be, to be admiring and praising and just what they do really matters. So, yes, I would, I would definitely like to pick, you know, St. Jude and, uh, and, and give that scholarship there. And, Dan, I think it's an amazing thing you guys do. So this is, this is an honor to even be able to name a, an organization. As you can see, it was a pretty easy choice for me. Yeah, yeah, you didn't hesitate there. And, you know, that's a special organization. We all know that organization. And just good to remind it of the work they do and, and, and so forth. And, you know, if, if I if I could, can I'd love to give you. I'd, lo I'd like to get one more Kenism in before I let you go here. Uh oh. Uh, and, and I've got another <laughs> another question for you. But you know, one of them is everybody can focus on the what, but world class organizations focus on the how. Can Can you speak to that? It's definitely a Kenism. We talk about it a lot. That's <laughs> how <laughs> so you make me laugh. I'm like, oh wow, I see these. Um, you know, it, here's what it is: when you're an IT group. You know, and it doesn't matter what, you know, if you're in a small company or a large company, right? There's always an endless amount of work that IT could do, right? And we all know that. And so we get consumed with the what, you know, whether you call it a prioritization list or however, you know, Kanban or whatever your, you know, methodology is saying, whatever you call it, it's easy to get consumed by the what. And so everybody does that, you know, but, but why, the reason I say the world-class organizations focus on the how is when you do how in world-class ways, both in technology and methodology, right, that's the differentiator. That's what increases speed. That's what increases quality. That's what increases capabilities. And so for us, you know, we do that. In fact, my, you know, again, my group's a global group. It's all around the world. And, 
you know, we really focus on five big hows right now. Not that it's the only five things we focus on, but we said the differentiating things are in these five hows. And, you know, so anyhow, that's really what that saying is about. You know, everybody focuses on the what, but the world-class focus on the how, and that is what are you going to major in and, and how we work, methodology and technology, and drive to a different level. So we create a lot of focus on that, and we major in those areas. I love how these isms are not all – uh, disparate, separate. They all interrelate to each other. They all reinforce each other. And uh, well, Ken, we covered so much ground today and pun intended, given one of your businesses there. But uh, thanks so much for your transparency, your openness, uh, sharing so much of the success story of FedEx, FedEx technology, and just your leadership journey. So we appreciate you and love to have you back. So I, I know you just continue to take your game to the next level. And we wish you an amazing 2022. Well, Dan, thank you. And happy new year to you and, and all the you know members that are out there. But, you know, I think what you've done in the industry and especially this, the connectedness you have around the world with this is incredible. So let me, let me restate. This is an honor for me to just participate. So I was glad to be here and thanks for the invite. Uh, you're very kind. Thank you, Ken. And thanks everybody. Uh, we'll be back to you in two weeks with another episode, but thank you, Ken Spangler and good luck FedEx to, what will probably be another peak season, Ken. Good luck. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Dan. Well, I am always inspired by Ken's energy and vision and his pragmatic approach to delivering results for his business. And I would say FedEx is an incredible case study when it comes to setting itself up for the future. Are they able to predict the future? They would tell you absolutely no, but they are continuously building the skills and mindsets that set themselves up to be nimble for uncertain future. I would say they are absolutely doing that. And joining me now for the thought leadership moment is Bob Johansson, a futurist who is going to educate, equip, and encourage you to be what he calls a future thinking leader and a future thinking organization. Bob, we cannot thank you enough for being here with us today. Thank you. Great to be with you. Been a while. Uh, you know, I've had a chance to uh, read your books. I've been uh, uh, I've been able to hear you speak many times, and uh, you know, most people know you as a distinguished fellow uh, with the Institute for the Future, which is based in Silicon Valley, and I believe it's the longest running think tank in the country. Uh, and you guys are really good. I mean, it's like scary good at. Uh, <laughs> You don't call it predictions, right? You call it, what do you call it? You call it forecasting? Right. We call it a forecast, which is a plausible, internally consistent, provocative story from the future. And we do keep track. You know, the first thing you should always ask a futurist is, have you outlived your forecasts? <laughs> and, <laughs> right. And, uh, and we have five times over. We're usually right. So it's... Uh, latest tally was like 60 to 80 percent of our forecasted futures over a 50 year plus cycle have actually happened depending on your definition of happened but that doesn't that's really not the way to evaluate a futurist that's the way you evaluate a fortune teller nobody can predict the future but the way you evaluate a futurist is does the foresight provoke your insight that leads to a better decision. So some of the futures we're forecasting right now around climate or around pandemics, I hope they don't happen. Uh, and it'll be a success if they don't happen. But the insights that come out of it, that's what we go for. We're we're independent forecasters and we want to provoke your insight. Doesn't really matter if you agree with our forecasts or not. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, 
Well, Bob, you've published a dozen books uh, or co-authored or, or authored a dozen books. And uh, you work with corporations, universities, nonprofits, the Army War College, uh, all around the world. I mean, so the work you're doing is meaningful. It's uh, a lot of folks are leveraging it because they may not agree with it, but <laughs> they get a lot of value from it. And I'm going to I'm going to tell you, there's three of your books that are my favorites. Um it's probably kind of like kids. We're not supposed to name favorites, right? But you call it <laughs> you call it the trilogy. And I'm going to get to those, but not yet, because, you know, first I want to unpack for our audience. I mean, you're a futurist, right? So I want to start by looking ahead. I want to start with the next book because it's very, very timely. You know, it's it's going to be called, I believe, Office Shock. And uh, I think it's going to be your, your best work. I've had a little glimpse into it, Bob. Uh, mind if we start there? Does that make sense to you? Sure, that'd be fine. And uh, we just uh, agreed with our publisher on a title. It is going to be called Office Shock, kind of a play on the book 50 years ago now called Future Shock, Alvin Toffler's kind of classic. But the way he defined um, Future Shock was too much change and too short of a time um, becomes disorienting and leads to future shock. Well, the same thing has happened with offices. So our book is going to be looking 10 years ahead at the future of offices and officing. So we're we're actually realizing one of the insights is you, you have office buildings, but you also have office processes, work processes. So we're using the term offices as a noun and officing as a verb, a gerund, um, just to get at both of those elements. And the subtitle is creating better futures for living and working. So we're we're focused on not just when do you go back to the office, but you know why do you go to the office? <laughs> You've already got me thinking different, Bob. You always do that, <laughs> and uh, you know as I've been thinking about our interview, is it safe to say that most companies right now are are looking backwards, right? And maybe it's because it's what they know versus looking looking ahead. The future of the office, the future of the office worker. Is that a fair? hypothesis? Um, I think it is. You know, we don't have a systematic survey, but I think in the current time, um, it's so noisy in the present and companies are just struggling to get by. Uh, so they are relying on the means of the past. What What we're teaching is that, especially in these highly uncertain times, if you go out to the future and think backwards, future back, we call it, if you think future back, it's actually easier to see where things are going. And it encourages you to be clear about direction, but flexible about execution. Um, so it's still a very noisy present, but at least you can have clarity of direction. So that's what we're trying to do with the office uh the office shock book is so many companies are are saying, well, when can we go back to the office? And we're saying, yeah, that's a reasonable question. But for us, it's number six out of seven of questions we're asking. And the first question is, why do you want to go to the office in the first place? You know, what's the purpose of the office? You know, and I think that's where you need to start. And and then eventually you get down to, well, where and when can we work? And you've got a spectrum of choice there from the physical office to the metaverse or the term we're using now, the meta, meta, metaverse, because it's going to be a nested network of virtual mixed and augmented reality options, not not a single network and nobody's going to own it. 
while. I'd like to come back to those questions because you've got my, you've really got my wheels turning here. But Bob, you know, all of the folks who are listening are are competing. There's disruption, there's digital disruption, there's transformation, all these big things are going on on top of, or maybe the pandemic is on top of it. (laughs) But I've got to imagine there's going to be winners coming out of this, right? There's going to be those that innovate. They're going to get early mover advantage. Can you bring us inside of your work? Is there, uh, I mean, what will they be doing different? Those that get that early mover advantage. Well, it's a readiness game. Um, So in what the Army War College calls a VUCA world, you know, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, in that kind of world, what you you can't predict what's going to happen, but you can practice. You can be more or less ready. So that's where simulation and gaming comes in. You have to be able to anticipate the future and then try to create safe environments so you can practice in low risk ways. And that's where scenario planning comes in and you have a future back view, you're prepared for a variety of alternatives. And, you know, that's part of the problem of what we're in now. We weren't at all prepared for COVID, even though we should have been. Uh, You know, we've been including uh, global pandemics in our forecast since 2009. Right, right. Bob, would I be putting you on the spot if I ask you to share a company or two that you think will be early? When you talk about the readiness game, you talk about, you know, we talk about yeah. early adopters. Uh, uh, anybody come to mind that you think is going to get out ahead of the game? So I haven't done a systematic survey, so I, I'm, I'm really only talking about companies that I've that I've worked with where there's public information about them. Um, I just spent the morning this morning with Microsoft. Um, They were better prepared for the COVID crisis um, than most companies I've seen. You know, so they were more ready than a bunch of other companies we looked at. Um, We've also been working over the last few years now with GSK, the big pharma company. And during that period, um, they've become deeply digital. So we're working with the chief digital and analytics officer and the digital leaders globally. And they've just announced a merger with Pfizer for personal health care and then reimagining the traditional pharma company is a biopharma company. Now, I'm really interested in that. That's really interesting. Um, And a third company we've worked with closely is United Rentals, um, the world's largest equipment rental company. They're actually doing really well through this crisis. uh, And they're riding a big wave, which is a wave from products to services to experiences. And, Mm -hmm. you know, why do you want to own a metal uh, plate to cover a road when there's a hole in the road? I mean, nobody really wants to own those. (laughs) (laughs) So it's obvious you want to rent them, but they're renting all kinds of equipment, mostly for big construction jobs. But that's going to apply, I think, across the economy. Bob, you know, I feel like we're just scratching the surface of your new work. Would you mind coming back on our next episode in two weeks? Sure. So we can go deeper. I'd like to get to those seven questions. I know there's there's dimensions, spectrum, yeah. spectrums around yeah. those, and I'd yeah. like to go deeper. So let's, uh, if you're game, I'd love to, uh, love to do that. 
Sure, I'm happy to do it. You know, we, uh, my current book's called Full Spectrum Thinking, and what we're doing is applying that to the office. So full spectrum thinking is the ability to think across gradients of possibility instead of just categorizing or labeling or kind of grouping stuff in unnatural ways. And the neat thing is we've got new digital tools to do that. So in the new book, in the Office Shock book, we've identified seven spectrums of choice which help people decide not only when to go back to the office, but why to go back to the office and then how to spread your activities. Well, I am going to, uh, I know that people are going to be tuning in because I know you've got their attention. You've got my attention. And, (laughs) you know, so I'm going to just invite our folks to come back in two weeks, hear more from the Institute for the Futures, Bob Johansson, uh, which will follow my conversation with Baker Hughes, CEO, Jen Hartsock, another industry transformer. So another great one-two punch, Bob. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, We'll see you in two weeks. Thank you. On behalf of Dan Roberts, myself, and our entire production team at Social Origin, we want to thank you for tuning into the CI Whispers podcast. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review as this helps us continue to spread the word about the show. We also have to give a special shout out to E.G. Nadad as a CIO Whispers ambassador that's making a difference through his incredible network. One thing that you might not know is that CIO Whispers has over 200 ambassadors helping to promote the show. We want to thank everyone for making this dream a reality. This podcast is produced by Underwriting Partners Social Origin, a digital agency helping CIOs and CEOs through the power of storytelling. Visit socialorigin.net for more information. Every episode also includes a scholarship to the technology leadership experience provided by the generosity of our partners at Roulette and Associates. Please visit www.ciowhispers.com slash tech, the number four, good. Thanks so much again for tuning in. Until next time.